Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. This week, we're going to be continuing with the Personal Life Lesson Series. And if you haven't caught the first few episodes in this series, I encourage you to go back and listen to those as you have time. It's a series where I share some of the most significant lessons God has taught me, some of the most important experiences that I've ever walked through, and lessons that God is continuing to teach me on a personal level. So I hope they've been an encouragement to you. A few weeks ago, I shared an episode called Hurtful Christians, and I walked through some of the pain that I experienced early in my beginning of my ministry with Eric, pain caused by people within the church, and just the the struggle that I faced in knowing how to respond to that pain in a truly Christ-like and biblical way. And I'd like to go into part two of Hurtful Christians, because there are a lot of additional truths that God is continuing to teach me when we are hurt by people within the church. Before I dive in, I wanted to mention that my husband Eric has a program. It's an eight-week online program for men called Honorable Manhood. This is an amazing program where men catch God's vision for sexuality and masculinity. So if you have a man in your life, a husband, dad, brother, who could use that infusion of God's vision for their masculinity, I hope you'll encourage them to register. You can register for a donation of any amount, and you'll have access to this program for the rest of this year. You can go to ericludy.com and click on Honorable Manhood, or just click the link in this podcast description. We also have registration open for our 2023 Ellerslie Discipleship Programs here in Colorado. So if you are looking for a season to come away from daily distractions and sit at the feet of Jesus and become grounded in truth, we invite you to join us for our week-long program or one of our five-week programs. You can click the link in this podcast description or go to ellerslie.com and click on our Overview of Programs tab. Let's dive into part two of Hurtful Christians. One of my greatest spiritual heroes is Amy Carmichael. I've spoken about her so many times on this podcast. She really was a world changer. And yet, with all of the struggles that she faced in going to the mission field, in going to India and becoming a voice for the voiceless and rescuing children from trafficking before it was ever really popular to do that, before most Christians didn't even know that trafficking existed. She was sort of a missionary before her time, and she ran up against so much suffering and persecution because of the rescue work that she was doing. But if you study her biographies, one of the things that stands out is that her greatest struggles and her deepest pain, her deepest wounds throughout all of her missionary experience were wounds caused by fellow Christians. In fact, when she first began to establish her work to to rescue children from trafficking in India, there was a whole movement among Christians to try to get her out of the country. They didn't like the fact that she was stirring things up and she was drawing attention to things that they would rather ignore. And there were a lot of just things that they didn't like about her approach to ministry. And so instead of supporting her in this incredibly important work she was doing, they stood against her. And how she wrestled through that has been such a blessing to me. So I'm going to be sharing some of those principles with you as well. Also, another story that stands out to me is that Corey Ten Boom went through, and and if you haven't read her books, Tramp for the Lord, The Hiding Place, those are some of my very favorites. She has an amazing story about forgiving some of the, the greatest enemies of her life. She went through a process of forgiving the man who betrayed her family during the war and really caused the death of several of her closest family members. She talked about forgiving one of the most cruel guards from the concentration camp where her sister Betsy has, had died. And because of God's amazing grace, 
grace, she was able to do what was really impossible in her own strength. She began to travel the world and testify to the power of God's victorious love and the power of forgiveness. And because of that testimony, doors opened all over the world for her to share the gospel. But several years into her journey as a world evangelist, she faced another very hurtful situation that required extreme forgiveness. And amazingly, this time it was far more difficult because she was betrayed by Christian friends. So here was someone who has already walked through the forgiveness process with people that most of us would find almost impossible to forgive. And yet when she was betrayed by Christian friends, it was even more difficult. Here is something that she wrote in Tramp for the Lord. I recall the time when I was almost 70, when some Christian friends whom I loved and trusted did something which hurt me. You would have thought that having been able to forgive the guards in Ravensbrook, forgiving Christian friends would be child's play. It wasn't. For weeks, I seethed inside. Corey described this intense emotional and spiritual battle that she fought in order to come to the place of truly being able to forgive her hurtful Christian friends. It was actually more difficult, as I said earlier, than forgiving those cruel prison guards and the man who had caused the death of several of her family members. But in spite of that amazing struggle that she faced, God was still victorious. And I believe he can be victorious in this area of our lives as well, no matter how deeply we may have been hurt by fellow Christians. And it happens when we rely entirely upon him and not upon ourselves. So in this episode, I'd like to share some key biblical principles that I have learned through the examples of Amy Carmichael, Corey Ten Boom, and other Christians who have been deeply hurt by people within the church. These principles have been so critical in my own journey to respond to the pain that I've experienced from fellow Christians. Being hurt by fellow Christians, as I said in the previous episode, has definitely been the most difficult struggle I have ever faced. And I think back to that quote from Lilius Trotter, take the very hardest thing in your life and expect God to triumph gloriously in that very spot. For me and for Amy Carmichael and for Corey Ten Boom and maybe for you, the very hardest thing in your life might be pain caused by fellow believers. If you've been hurt by people within the church, I pray that these truths that I'm about to share will equip you to discover that freedom and hope and victory that is available to every single one of us through the power of Jesus Christ. And the first principle is to choose his forgiveness. When we are grappling with pain caused by other Christians, it's very easy to look to our own ability to forgive rather than the power of Almighty God working in and through us to do what we could never do on our own. And I have learned that when I'm struggling to forgive a Christian who has hurt me, I shouldn't wait until I feel a rush of emotional warmth because so often our expectations of Christians are higher, of course, than non-believers. And we're so shocked and dismayed and even horrified that Christians would behave in that way. And I've had that emotion so many times. And if I wait until I feel this gush of understanding and compassion, I'm going to be waiting a long time. I have learned that when it comes to forgiveness, my first step is to choose to obey. Forgiveness doesn't usually start with feelings. It starts with the decision of the will to say, Lord, you have forgiven me. So I choose by your grace to forgive this person that has wronged me. Once I take that first step of obedience and I choose to forgive that person as a decision of my will, I find that he supplies the feelings that I need 
in order to think and act toward that other person in a Christ-like way. He gives me the love, the grace, the mercy, the care for them that I could never drum up on my own. And I found that when my heart begins to feel cold or indifferent or just frustrated toward the person who hurt me, I ask God to give me his heart for them, and I find that he always does. I have experienced that amazing miracle when he forgives through me, when he loves through me. It's a supernatural work of grace that happens in our souls when we completely lean on him and his strength and not our own. His forgiveness is the only kind of forgiveness that is truly real and lasting. So I encourage you not to look to your own ability to forgive, but let him forgive through you. And the second principle is to ask him to renew your mind. Because even after we have chosen to forgive a Christian that has hurt us, the enemy often tempts us to drudge up that hurt again by just reliving the situation over and over in our minds. We might expect to be mistreated by people who hate God, but when we are mistreated by people who profess to love him, it's easy to just be so frustrated and dismayed by that, that we just constantly relive and rehash the situation. And I know that has happened to me many, many times. It's just like, how could they have done this? I can't believe it. And just go through the whole thing over and over again. And that's exactly what the enemy wants, because it keeps us in bondage to that offense. Corey Ten Boom explained her struggle with this. Even after she had forgiven those Christian friends who betrayed her, God had to lead her to a deeper place of victory in her thought life. This is what she wrote. I had forgiven my friends. I was restored to my father. Then why was I suddenly awake in the middle of the night, rehashing the whole affair again? My friends, I thought, people I loved. If it had been strangers, I wouldn't have minded so. I sat up and switched on the light. Father, help me, I prayed. Then it was that another secret of forgiveness became evident. It is not enough to simply say, I forgive you. I must also begin to live it out. And in my case, that meant acting as though their sins, like mine, were in the depths of the sea. If God could remember them no more, then neither should I. We can trust God not only for our emotions, but also our thoughts. The reason the thoughts kept coming back to me was that I kept turning their sin over in my mind. As I asked him to renew my mind, he also took away my thoughts. And this is very similar to what Amy Carmichael wrote about forgiveness when she said, if I get into the mindset that I can forgive, but I cannot forget, I am not considering the fact that the God who washes all the sands from all the seashores twice a day over all the world can also wash those kinds of memories from my mind. And that is a very powerful analogy. Personally, I have found that when the enemy tries to flood my mind with painful thoughts and memories of the hurtful actions of other Christians, the best thing that I can do is to immediately respond with truth. Instead of turning their offense over and over again in my mind, I have found it to be so helpful when I immediately meditate on key scriptures that I have memorized. And they don't have to be long passages, but those key verses that just kind of bolster your, your soul and you can say them more than once. It's also extremely helpful to pray for others, especially for the unsaved. By turning outward and filling my mind with truth, the enemy has no ability to pull me into obsessing over the sins of other Christians, those sins that I have already laid 
at the feet of Jesus. Now, sometimes this takes a lot of practice and consistency, but I found that when I'm diligent to let God renew my mind, I can be set free from that mental torment of rehashing other people's offenses because the only thing that does is keep me in bondage to their offense. The third principle is to know where to put your trust. Now, we touched on this in the first episode on hurtful Christians. When we have been hurt by those close to us, it can really impair our ability to trust others. Maybe you can relate to this. This has been one of my biggest struggles because if fellow believers have let us down, there's that temptation to become guarded and suspicious toward all of the body of Christ and to always think or assume the worst about them instead of the best about them. And yet, if you look at scripture, this is not how God intends us to live as Christians. We are not supposed to be jaded and suspicious towards the body of Christ. Think about the Apostle Paul. He was forsaken by people who should have faithfully stood by him. He says in 1 Timothy 4.16, At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Now, this must have been very hurtful for him, even heartbreaking. Those men who were meant to be at his side right when he was needing them the most, they forsook him. Kind of sounds like what happened to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. But Paul did not allow this offense to harden his heart or cause him to become cynical toward the body of Christ. You can see all throughout the New Testament that throughout the rest of his life, he demonstrated deep care and love and concern for all the churches. Now, what was his secret? He knew where to put his trust, not in people, but in the God who never fails. In fact, after stating that his fellow workers had forsaken him, he confidently proclaims in 1 Timothy 4, 17 and 18, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. It was very clear to Paul that even though others may let us down, our God never will. So for me, I have learned that it's not really a question of whether I can trust others or not, but whether I can trust my God. Do I trust him to protect and care for me as I pour myself out for the body of Christ? Will I trust him to heal my heart if others hurt me? Do I trust him to meet all of my needs when others let me down? The Bible makes some amazing promises about the trustworthiness of God in comparison to the trustworthiness of other people. In Proverbs 18.24, he is described as a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In Psalm 27.10, it says, even if our mother and father forsake us, he will care for us. And in Psalm 41, we see that description of Judas' betrayal of Jesus, my own familiar friend whom, in whom I trusted lifted up his heel against me. But then it says the Lord will be merciful to me. And that is a principle we can adopt for our life as well. When our familiar friends that we trust in lift up their heel against us, our God will be merciful to us because we are in Christ. When we put our trust in him, we will be able to cultivate strong relationships with the body of Christ, even if we have been hurt in the past. And that is because our confidence is not in the perfection of others. It's in the perfection of the one we serve. This has been a vital truth for me in order to move on after other Christians have hurt me and continue to pour out for the body of Christ and continue to build relationships with the body of Christ. And the last principle is to be guarded with your words. 
It can feel nearly impossible to keep silent when we feel the sting of personal offense from other Christians. Because again, we're often so shocked and outraged by the behavior of Christians. We sometimes forget that all of us as Christians are a work in progress and we all have those blind spots, those areas where that selfish nature is vying for control and the spirit of God needs to hone and refine us. And that is what leads to fleshly ungodly behavior in other Christian in other Christians' lives. But when we see that, we often want to vent and process our hurts to someone else or maybe pour out our frustrations on social media. But this is exactly why we're told in scripture to cast all our care upon him because he cares for us. That's from 1 Peter 5, 7. He is waiting for us to take our hurts and our sorrows to him. He wants to restore us and comfort us and give us the grace and love to forgive in return. When we push him away and run to others instead, we might find temporary human comfort, but we will miss out on the supernatural peace that he wants to give us when we turn to him first. Also, when we rush to share the offense with others, we're in danger of stirring up strife and discord within the body of Christ, and that's something that is spoken very strongly against in the word of God. We're also in danger of causing others to take up offenses on our behalf, and all throughout Proverbs, you can see the damage that can be done by someone who is not discreet about the the sins and faults of other people. Scripture is clear that love covers over a multitude of sins in 1 Peter 4, 8. And in Proverbs 17, 19, he who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. When Christians hurt and offend us, one of the best ways we can demonstrate the love and forgiveness of Christ is to be guarded with our words instead of casually broadcasting their weaknesses. Now, that doesn't mean it's always wrong to try to gain perspective on the situation from from trusted godly Christians in our lives. But even then, we should be guarded in what we share, and we need to allow God to purify our motives before we share. For example, are we seeking to really get to a place of personal victory, or are we just trying to make the other person look bad? Let God show you what your motives really are before you share something with a trusted godly Christian in the hopes of gaining clear perspective. Amy Carmichael talked about wrestling with the question, when should I speak and when should I be silent regarding personal grievance and sin in others' lives? As she prayed about it, God's answer was, when the wrong done is personal, be silent and see to it that the hidden man of the heart always has the gentleness of Christ. Well, when the good of others requires it, then speak, even as Paul did when he wrote of some whose influences hinder. When we adopt that code of entrusting our offenses to God, first and foremost, unless we need to speak out for the sake of another person's soul, or maybe for our own safety or the safety of another person, we will find when we take those offenses to God that there is a comfort and joy far deeper than the temporary satisfaction of venting our feelings with others. As it says in Proverbs twenty nine eleven, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Amy Carmichael wrote this, if I am perturbed by reproach and misunderstanding, if I cannot commit the matter and go on in peace and in silence, remembering Gethsemane and the cross, then I know nothing of Calvary love. Trusting God with personal offenses from other Christians and going on in peace and in silence requires supernatural grace, but that's one of the ways we walk in Calvary love. And that's grace that is available to us if we ask for it. So here's some final thoughts that I'd like to share with you. Being hurt by other Christians can truly be devastating, but let's never forget that we serve a God of healing, redemption, and supernatural victorious love. 
Amy Carmichael closed her book, If, with the following words, which I think just so beautifully express Christ's heart towards us, whatever we might be struggling with, specifically if we're struggling with pain caused by fellow believers. Trust me, my child, he says, trust me with a humbler heart and a fuller abandon to my will than you ever did before. Trust me to pour my love through you as minute succeeds minute. And if you should become conscious of anything hindering the flow, do not hurt my love by going away from me in discouragement, for nothing can hurt love so much as that. Draw all the closer to me, flee unto me to hide you even from yourself. Tell me all about the trouble. Trust me to turn my hand upon you and thoroughly remove the boulder that has choked your riverbed and take away all the sand that has silted up the channel. I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to you of. I will perfect that which concerns you. No matter what hurt or pain we may face, even from those within the church, we can remember that his amazing, astounding, extraordinary love can always be the anchor of our soul. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into building a Christ-centered life, I invite you to visit us at setapartgirl.com and look at all the many resources that we have for you there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.